0: Welcome back to our 16th episode of Opportunity Thrives, where we are committed to better supporting the needs of today's secondary students. I'm Jason Mitchell, and I'll be your host today. Through interviews with students, teachers, administrators, technologists, and education influencers, we want to understand what's working in our schools today, what's not, and how we can impact positive and lasting change. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on our show. Please click in the podcast notes to leave us a review. To provide input or send us any questions, you can also reach out to us at info at OpportunityThrives.com. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with two parents who can share their experience with the evolving world of education today and how online learning has impacted their lives and the lives of their children. With the pandemic creating such uncertainty for students and for families about how the school year will look, many parents are weighing their options about how to plan for what's coming up and evaluating the best decision for their student. Clearly, district leaders are up against undeniable odds this school year, especially as they navigate how to keep students safe but still learning. This episode will be helpful for, for district leaders to gain first-hand perspective on what parents are thinking, how they are feeling about the recent changes, and how they would like to see district support students this school year. Join me in welcoming our first guest, Steve Savat. His son Justin's high school career was by no means typical. Although he grew up in New York City, he attended multiple boarding schools, a wilderness camp in Maine, a unique equestrian school in Utah, and he even participated in an archaeological dig at the University of Tel Aviv, all before eventually transferring to Apex learning virtual school for his senior year. Justin experienced a variety of up and downs and some personal struggles as a high school student, which made staying in one place a challenge. But despite all the moving around, he was able to stay focused with online learning. And he just graduated in June. Joining Steve and I today is Amy DeLaHunt. Amy has 14 and 17-year-old boys who attend Lindbergh High School in suburban St. Louis, Missouri. The school is large with around 2,400 students. And the sudden jump to distance learning in the spring meant that most of the students ended up essentially fending for themselves for the final quarter of the year. The district has promised a more defined online model this fall with two options, one fully virtual and the other with a goal of returning to to in-person classes when the number of COVID cases is manageably low. Coincidentally, over the past school year, Amy was a parent representative on a task force to redesign the middle school experience at Lindbergh. Administrators definitely did not have this extensive pandemic-style redesign in mind, but having undertaken a process where they really focused on students' development holistically, the district was much better positioned to support the social and emotional impacts of students' distance learning experiences, as well as teachers' flexibility with instruction. So thank you both so much for joining us today. So let's get started. Steve, your son's experience was very unique. What were some of the major challenges that he faced when he eventually began attending a virtual school?
1: Sure. I'm happy to answer that question. So uh, first off, part of the challenge was that his historical education at that point had been so choppy because he had attended such a wide variety of of different institutions. So I think for him, he he didn't really have a basis of normal. He didn't enjoy the the kind of momentum that students typically um, are are working with going from one school um, and continuing on through the years in the same institution. So for him, part of it was just uh, adjusting to the fact that every school has different curriculum, different ways they deliver it, different teachers. Um, So that for him was first off uh, a major challenge that he had to get comfortable with. Next was the fact that because Apex Learning is a virtual school and he was working largely on his own, he had to self-manage his time and um, the pace at which he was engaging with the uh, the curriculum, and I think that was probably among the most challenging. There was never; uh, it seemed like there was never a pressing need to quickly get anything done. Which, while it's also a benefit, was in his case, it gave him lots of uh, ability to um, delay or postpone what would have been um, a more timely flow through the the, the, the educational process.
0: Yeah, I think those are skills that even adults need right now in this experience. So, Amy, as the parent of two public high school students, what has your family experienced with distance learning? And what are some of the challenges that you and uh, your sons have experienced?
2: Well, my sons have very different personalities, so they each chose a different option from what the school offered. My 17-year-old senior really misses the social aspects of the day. He kind of lives for the deep discussions that juniors and seniors get to have in their classes on things like social studies or government or literature. So when distance learning happened, he felt really isolated, which made him less motivated to keep up with his courses. And my 14-year-old, on the other hand, um, likes The interaction at school, just because he can be silly and goof around with his friends. But when it comes to learning, he actually does best in a quiet, focused environment, like we've been able to set up at home. So he chose the all virtual model for this coming school year. And his challenge is really not being able to turn to the teachers easily when he has questions about complex topics like math and science and French. Um, So for him, just getting him to interact with the teachers virtually has been the challenge.
0: Wow, interesting. Um, interesting that they have different perspectives and experiences as well. Uh, Steve, what would you say were some of the benefits of uh, attending a virtual school?
1: Sure. For for Justin, he was living remote and there was really no local school to where he was living. Um, there wasn't an ability to take him to a traditional uh, in-school setting. So for, for Justin, uh, Apex Learning was really an ideal circumstance. He um, He needed... Uh, a, a fully immersive online access, and it made everything that would have otherwise have been undoable in, entirely uh, accessible for him. So it, it really solved the need that we had specifically for Justin. He was in. He was engaging and going through his time at Apex prior to the coronavirus, so there was no new normal yet, <laughs> and uh, so he was really engaging in full online uh, learning well before the coronavirus ever came.
0: He was the head of the curve, huh?
1: <laughs> By default, yes. Excellent. Um, Amy,
0: what alternative virtual school options have you or your district explored?
2: Well, the district is um, writing its own online curricula and the teachers are planning out how to adapt the current curricula for an online setting, but they have a backup plan if everything kind of goes awry. <laughs> if their plan B is that they will purchase a digital, digital curriculum for students who have chosen the all virtual model, yet like my younger son has. Um, so as a parent, I've been looking around at Apex Learning and other virtual schools, um, including one, there's one offered by the state of Missouri itself as an option. So high school st- students here can take a couple of courses per year through the free online option at any time. Their school district just has to um, approve it. And so I've looked at all of those kind of as backup plans. And in our case, over the past six months, what's what we've done is hire Tutors to supplement the areas where my sons were at risk of falling behind, um, including math and topics like that. But I really view that as a stopgap thing, not as a long term solution. So I'm definitely keeping my options open, and I think my school district is too.
0: Great. Thanks for that. Steve, since you've had such a strong experience with virtual school, what would you recommend that district leaders consider if they are launching or even refining their existing virtual school as an option for students this year? From, from your perspective,
1: what's important for them to get right? Those are some great and relevant questions. Uh, I believe that uh, Apex Learning, really, given that it's geared for 100% uh, virtual learning, they have some best practices that I think any school could certainly borrow from, um, namely the fact that they they treated the, um, the non-classroom experience almost as though it was a classroom experience in some regards. Everything from providing an introductory video of each of the instructors so that you can get a, a sense of who they are, what they look like, what their voice sounds like, what their interests are and how they live and where they live. I thought that was a, a really important personal touch. And then the, the reciprocal requirement that each of the students put together a short video uh, explaining who they are and where they come from and what they like to do outside of the academic uh, circle was really helpful in, in creating um, an initial bond and an in- initial uh, uh, breakdown of the barriers of well, who am I going to be talking to and who's going to be delivering this information to me? So that taking that, put, u- using technology to create uh, as much of an in-person experience um, in my in, in my perspective. Was a very important thing, and I think that everybody could even use technology to a greater extent to uh, make it a personal experience and not one that's so distant. So, using video, using um, pre-recorded or live demonstrations could really help uh, both the student and and the instructor.
0: Boy, they use a video so important to to make that a connection. Those are great points, um, Amy. You had an experience to draw from in the spring. So what would you share with district leaders in terms of how best to support the needs of your family and ensuring that that your students or your children have the opportunity to learn as well as stay connected to their home district?
2: Well, what Steve said, he made a really great point that the one-size-fits-all distant learning approach doesn't really work. So I love that they did videos kind of getting to know each other as individuals because for most students, just being a generic student on a screen doesn't work very well. But so far that's all our district really had the capacity to offer and that's why they lost a lot of engagement in the spring with the students. So I would really encourage them going forward to consider the diverse needs of individual students. I think that's the only way to really create independent learners who thrive in a virtual setting and are self-motivated and curious and Um, And I would also suggest that districts look at teachers' most comfortable environment because not everyone is a great distance educator. Um, So I really like that Apex Learning's Virtual School has like teachers and tutors who are experienced with online learning because I think um, that like (laughs) the kids are only one half of the equation. Um, So I really hope that we can find um, ways to make everybody more comfortable in that digital space as individuals.
0: Great. So this question is for both of you. Have you been surprised by any of the strengths that your child has developed in spite of these unusual circumstances? For example, have you seen them become maybe more self motivated or more organized? Amy, do you want to pick up where you left off? Sure.
2: Um, my kids were already pretty adept with technology. They both really enjoy being on computers. And so um, they were able to juggle the dozens of platforms that teachers were cobbling together in the spring pretty easily. My 14 year old. Um, was 13 at that time in eighth grade. And he had 11 different tools that he was logging into every day between email and all the different tracking systems. And the school was changing a different learning management system. And like, it was, <laughs> it was really a lot of technology. And I was so impressed. Because if I as a employer had asked an employee to do that much um, juggling of different things, they would have looked at me like I was crazy. So I think Um, My kids did a great job with that. But I also think that they had to show a lot of resilience in terms of all the disappointments of not getting to do the normal kinds of end of school things. So I was really proud of them for not kind of (laughs) melting down under all this stress.
0: Right. That's great. That Resilience is such an important skill. I'm I'm glad to see that they were able to demonstrate that. Um, Steve, what about you from from your perspective?
1: Yeah, I'm going to echo some of, of of what Amy shared. For sure, Justin had no trouble at all getting up to speed on the technology curve. And like most kids his age, he's doing everything you can imagine with uh, either his, uh, his cell phone or his laptop, and it's kind of like attached at his hip. So he's never away from it or without it. So that part really didn't provide any real challenges. I think The the bigger challenge that that we had was getting him into a routine cadence so that it became a natural part of his day that every day at the same time he would carve out and that would be when he would do his schoolwork versus saying, well, I have plenty of time. I can put this off. I can do this later in the week or next week. I think the most important thing uh, for him and maybe for many kids is to have a real disciplined routine time that they uh, dedicate to their uh, online learning. And
0: that is great advice. And uh, along those same lines, are there other specific skills that you think uh, families and district leaders should foster uh, in, their, in their child to facilitate greater success in an online environment?
1: Well, I, I do think that um, every kid is unique in that regard. And th- some are very you know, self managed and they're disciplined and they have a sense of responsibility and they just kind of on their own will get it done. And I know, you know, Justin has siblings that are very, that are wired very much that way. Justin, on the other hand, needs more structure. He needs it to be spe- spoon fed and he needs the support of a parent. And by that, I don't mean necessarily sitting down with them and doing the work, but making sure that they're allocating the time and not surrounding themselves with distractions and things that might otherwise get in the way of um, making it the most productive time when they are doing their schoolwork. So that that's something that I think is endemic to uh, online learning, and every student um, is going to approach it and, and take to it in a different way. So as a parent, I think it's important to take stock of your kids and know how they learn and which ones need more support and which ones can kind of operate more freely on their on their own. Great.
0: And Amy, you have been working with the district on some redesign. Are there specific skills that you think families and the district should foster? Um, and, and especially with your experience now, um, supporting kids in an online environment that could help them be more successful?
2: Yes, we talked a lot in the task force about curiosity. It really topped our list. Um, so I personally am a big believer that all children have intrinsic motivation to learn, but sometimes the adults around them, especially in middle school, are trying to like funnel them into a tightly controlled outlet. And sometimes that just stifles their curiosity and the natural motivation they have to dig into things. And so the tool, school talked a lot about that. I also hope that more parents explore the science of adolescent brain development because this is such a fascinating age, middle and high school, The kids are really making huge steps forward in what they can do cognitively and in terms of their all the different things happening in their brain. And often the teenage years get a really undeserved bad reputation. So we talked a lot about that too, about how understanding where kids are, because adolescence is such a long age too, it's like age 13, 12 or 13 up to like 25 um, before brains are fully developed. So just thinking about, you know, where they are in this big long magical progression was really, really exciting for me.
0: Yeah, that is exciting. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you both to pull out your crystal balls and, um, and, and talk a little bit about the future. So, uh, Steve, first, has this experience, has it changed your perception of online learning? And then second, now that you have this frame of reference, do you think that online curriculum can become the new norm?
1: I I think by virtue of uh, of of the the pandemic that we're all living through it, it has actually become the new norm whether we embraced it or not um but it, it notwithstanding that I I think that in in my case and specifically with regards to Justin um he he took to the online learning very very well he um w- was sort of naturally wired for that in so in so far as he, his ability to get through the material in a productive way, again, with the right um, adult supervision and the right adult prompts. But yes, he was able to engage with the material very well. And it it proved to be actually, in some ways, an even more conducive way for him, he's very visual, and in some ways, proved to be a more productive way for him to uh, ingest the material than a more traditional classroom setting. Yeah, we have definitely
0: seen some silver linings from some students who've responded very well. Uh, Amy, from your perspective, and not only your perspective, but your experience on the task force and your experience as a mother, um, has this experience changed your perception of online learning? And do you think that this might become the new norm?
2: Yeah, I think so. And nearly everybody that I talk to at the school and just in the community thinks that online learning is going to be part of the new norm, if not the full new norm. Um, And some of my teacher friends who were pioneers in the distance education field, going back even to the early 2000s, and some cases even the 1990s, are really thrilled that it's finally taking off and gaining mainstream acceptance. They don't love the reason for it, but they they love that it's happening. Um, And then there's a lot of parents for whom these past few months haven't worked out at all, just because of the way that their particular school organized things or didn't organize things. So I hope that they come across options like Apex Learning or other virtual schools that are based on research and that, they, that work for all different kinds of students. And so people can find their students that like Steve did with his son. I think that's going to be really important in just this online model getting overall acceptance
0: yeah i I think the option and the opportunity to create more opportunities for students who maybe haven't been successful it's it's an exciting one and I'm glad to hear that that both of you have seen your your children flourish in that and I, I really want to say thank you to both of you for joining us today. I'm certain that our listeners will appreciate your your candid insight and perspective. And especially as they continue to make plans for how to best support their students and their children and their families this school year. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would love it if you would take just a minute of your time and share your feedback on our show. You can do it by providing a review either on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever platform you listen on. And please reach out to us with any questions or comments at info at Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time.